don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. When you hear the word haunting, more than likely images of dilapidated old houses in the middle of the night will quickly be conjured in your head. That's what most have seen in movies or in ghost hunting shows. It's the great untruth about hauntings, that it takes place at night and in ancient mansions. Sure, on occasion you will hear about a haunted restaurant or a library, but hauntings during the day in New York skyscrapers and regular places of business, such as factories or warehouses, are way more common than you would ever believe. Today, we're going to learn about one such workplace in Miami, Florida. The Tropication Arts Warehouse. In the 1960s, Al Labiam, a cheery, balding man, ran the Tropication Arts Warehouse. He showed up every morning to do a hard day's work. He never expected his workplace to be the center of one of the most notorious poltergeist cases ever recorded. The Tropication Arts Warehouse was filled with trinkets and souvenirs in what was modern-day Miami at the time. Most days were normal and uneventful, the proverbial another day at the office. But from December 1966 to February 1967, it was anything but normal. There were 224 separate incidents of glasses crashing, flying boxes, and containers tumbling over that baffled everyone including a magician, psychic researchers, journalists, and police officers. The public record of these events is extensive and detailed. It's not extremely clear when the events truly started. Some believe that they possibly started as soon as the fall of 1966. That's when workers started to notice a number of products that were broken in a 30 by 50 foot warehouse. It was assumed that the damage was caused by careless workers. Though the actual start date of the poltergeist activity may be in question, by mid-January of 1967, all of Florida would know what was going on in Al Labium's warehouse due to a few raucous weeks. The event that kicked off the statewide attention was the first incident directly involving Labium on January 12th. On this day, Al had stacked some amber glass beer mugs on a shelf. As he walked away, one of the mugs fell to the floor and broke. Al found this confusing because all of the mugs were placed far enough from the edge that it should have been impossible for any of them to fall off. 
few minutes later, a box full of souvenirs flew off of a shelf and scattered. As soon as that was cleaned up, another box flew off of a different shelf. Then, a plastic container of back scratchers fell off of a wall. As word of the events spread through the employees, several became scared. Some of the female employees even broke down and started crying. The following day, well-known ghost hunter Susie Smith showed up to observe what was happening. She was invited by a staff member of the warehouse. Prominent psychical researcher William G. Rowe showed up the following day to record events. There was as many as 50 incidents in just a few hours. The vast number of occurrences in such a short period of time obviously made several people not only skeptical, but assumed that it was a hoax by the owner of the company for the sole purpose of publicity. A 19-year-old employee immediately fell under suspicion, though no evidence could ever be found linking him to the activity. On January 14th, Al decided that he couldn't solve the problem on his own, so he called the Miami Police Department. Police department came to the warehouse to file a report. What they found was not covered in any police manual. The first officer on the scene was patrolman William Killen. He met Al and Julio Vasquez. Vasquez was the 19-year-old that would later be suspected of perpetrating the hoax. Killen searched the premises while Al and Julio stayed near the entrance. Killen heard the sound of breaking glass and rushed to find a highball glass shattered on the floor. Short time later, he witnessed two boxes overturned, spilling their contents. At the time, Alan Julio were in Killen's direct sight. By early afternoon, Killen had been joined by two patrolmen and a professional magician by the name of Howard Brooks, who Al had invited. The officers were standing in front of a large room discussing the event. Al Julio, the magician, and his female assistant were all together, but separate from the officers. Suddenly, a box of address books fell from a shelf. Officer Killen proclaimed that everyone was under suspicion. Officer Killen did not know how this was happening, but he was determined to find out. The box had been at least six inches from the edge of the shelf, so he was completely befuddled. They tried to make a similar box fall by shaking the shelf to no avail. Brooks, the magician, looked for wires and other devices but found none. The police brought in a German Shepherd police dog to sniff for clues, but the dog also found nothing. The warehouse incidents grew in intensity as the month continued, but employees started to come forward saying that they had seen boxes falling earlier in the month. Al's partner, Ben Lewis, said that a box of ashtrays and tumblers fell from a shelf shortly after he stacked them on January 13th. Later that day, the company's insurance agent, William Drucker, witnessed boxes falling while he was on a routine visit. He then verified that the only three people that were in the building were nowhere near the aisle that the boxes had fell from. An examination showed no evidence of tampering. Also on January 13th, Warehouse clerk Kirk Hagmeyer saw a shot glass tumble to the floor. Later, he and Ben Lewis saw three boxes fall to the floor with no one around the shelves. On January 16th, Howard Brooks, the magician, made a return visit. He was rewarded by seeing two boxes fall from a high-top shelf 
while he was on one end of the aisle and a police officer on the other end of the aisle. Brooks said that something moved them, but he couldn't figure out exactly what. Ruth May was an artist who painted on various novelty items there at the warehouse. She witnessed a few things on January 16th herself, one of which was a plastic tray flying from one shelf to another and then drop into a box. A few seconds later, some keychains and a rubber alligator dropped into the same box from a shelf above. Ben Lewis and Julio Vasquez were on opposite sides of the room when these incidents happened. The activity would happen up to February 1st, with January 23rd being the most active day with 52 incidents recorded that day. The most incredible was a 15-pound box that scooted 24 feet along a shelf before falling onto the floor. 16 outside witnesses saw some type of activity in the warehouse in addition to Al's own employees. There are two theories that both had Julio Vasquez as the culprit. The first is that Vasquez used trickery. Vasquez was thought to have used some type of strong rope to trigger the incidents. He became a suspect for two reasons. First, he was present for every instance. Second, he was suspected of burglarizing the warehouse in early February. Al Labiam refused to press charges, though. The second theory is that he did it unknowingly with psychic kinesis. William G. Rowe had Vasquez tested, and he did test highly likely to be able to move objects through psychokinesis. The truth behind the occurrences at the warehouse may never be known. Al Labiam believes that Julio Vasquez did have the ability to move the boxes with his mind because weeks of investigations could not find any other cause. When Vasquez left, so did the poltergeist activity. It was gone, but would never be forgotten. Once that zombie heard his death